Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity, designed for women's unique retirement needs, with flexible withdrawals plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. Gainbridge is helping build a better financial future for women. Retirement income you can't outlive is the ultimate flex. Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information live nation presents concert week now through may 14th get 25 dollars tickets to over 5,000 shows that's up to 75 percent off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 savage alanis morissette cage the elephant celeste barber dirk spentley fade hootie and the blowfish janet jackson kids bop kids megan trainer bissell puma sarah mclaughlin get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just 25 dollars until now through may 14th Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Clayton, what if I told you in a few years there wasn't going to be any heroin on the streets? Like, none. Uh, okay, that's a good thing, right? What if I told you that was a bad thing? For who? <laughs> People that do heroin? Nah, you gotta explain this. Four suspected drug dealers are under arrest for allegedly supplying the fentanyl-laced heroin that killed actor Michael K. Williams. Someone overdoses on your dope. That is to the rest of the consumer population you're selling to, not a, a warning. That is an advertisement. Almost like a purity check, I guess. Kind exactly. Of They're trying to find Narcan as possibly an overdose. We as a country were never faced with massive industrial quantities of fentanyl until the time when the Sinaloa drug cartel first figured out that fentanyl existed. This is an existential threat to the United States. China and Mexico are flooding our city streets with poison. These elements within the Sinaloa drug cartel get pretty mad at them. Not a good idea. Get the Sinaloa drug cartel mad at you. But he Seems sits like a bad them down. Decision, right. yeah. He sits them down and explains to them, look, I have made for you the most profitable, the most potent drug that you are ever going to encounter. And it's called fentanyl. I'm Greg Lodd. I'm Clayton English. And this is The War on Drugs. Clayton, man, how's it going? Oh, man, it's good. It's good. We broadcasting from the right place. Yeah, we're in Atlanta. Yeah, we're on Boulevard. It's hometown. <laughs> exact. Yeah. Yeah, right. interesting little uh, area over here. East Atlanta area. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely uh, it's the War on Drugs has hit this area <laughs> repeatedly and heatedly. <laughs> But yeah, I'm glad I'm glad we're here though. I think we shed light on stuff. That's why I'm glad you're down here in my city. 
yeah. what we're going to talk about today, I think, is is really prevalent to a lot of listeners, and I hope you all get something out of this. We're going to talk to this guy. Sam Kionis uh, wrote this book called The Least of Us. It's about the fentanyl epidemic and how it's taken over. And, and the thing that scared me was that, you know, Sam was just like, heroin won't be a thing anymore. Right. It'll be a vestige of the past. And when you say heroin, like you think, what are the real bad ones? Like meth, it's heroin. heroin yeah. and, and you're just, and that's like going to be an old timey drug. Right. That's right. That's terrifying. That, that was one for me when he said that. At first, I thought, oh, good. Heroin's yeah, yeah, going to yeah. be off the streets. <laughs> yeah, we got it, yeah. But I didn't realize that it's all going to be replaced with fentanyl, something more powerful, more deadly, and something that it's already happening. And the crazy thing is, like, things that you're able to do to help yourself, like Narcan, to, you know, that can override an opioid, you know, overdose, or fentanyl strips, where you're able to test substances and see if it has fentanyl in it. Highly, highly accurate. They're illegal in a lot of states. They're drug paraphernalia. You can't own it or actually give it to someone Narcan or you can't even have it in you. And so it's like, it's, it's crazy that the one thing that can actually maybe prevent some of these things, we're also causing it to be drug paraphernalia some way. It's just like, that's the smallest step. Like that's the smallest step you could take. Like just allow test strips to be available. It's, it's a crazy thing. So yeah, I mean, Sam really opened my eyes to what this all looks like. And if you thought that trying to fight the war on drugs, when you had drugs that needed like you know, poppy fields oh, and you need cocaine land. fields. You need people to work the fields. Land. You need. You no, got to worry about rabbits and yeah. the other cartel. Exactly. Like, yeah, you everything. Can't just yeah. shoot like your pets become bigger <laughs> and they have automatic weapons. You can just be in a room. What are we in an eight by eight room right now? Yeah. This could be a place where you could do twenty million dollars worth of fentanyl in a day. And that could happen yeah. all over the country. Uh, process it, not do it. Not, yeah, do it. Yeah. If well, you do it. Yeah. You you I don't think you're gonna make it. No. You, if you did it, then we need to do some tests on yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, this is one of these topics, the the fentanyl epidemic, that you kind of have to laugh so you, you don't cry when you look at the the numbers of, of overdoses. It's just staggering. I get text notifications and you know, look on Twitter and it feels like you know, every every overdose. month. I mean every month. A prominent person it feels like, you know, and that's yeah. not in you can only imagine what's going on, like you said, in the streets in your city and my city and all across the country. And, you know, we, we joke a lot around a lot, um, and, and we will during this episode, but we know that this is an incredibly serious topic and this is impacting the lives of so many people across the country. Everywhere. You know, but we really got to get to the root of the problem, and the root of the problem is the war on drugs. The prohibition, the way that we have criminalized, um, you know, the drugs and put so many people in prison and the ramifications that has had and the lack of actual, you know, solving addiction in this country because of the war on drugs is why fentanyl is so rampant in the streets. Um, this is the reason. This is yeah. the root cause. And so we get into that, you know, with with um, with Sam. And I think it's just going to be a really great episode, an informative one on something that's really not, you know, well known. Like yeah. we know what the word fentanyl, but it's kind of, OK, what is it? How do we stop? What's what's going on? Yeah. One of the things I, I really got out of this episode was just uh, you actually see how the war on drugs actually fuels the whole fentanyl epidemic and then i think it's important for people to listen to this episode because sam answers so many questions that i hear just talking to people in day-to-day conversation about fentanyl what is what is it why is it why would they do this and i think he answers so many of those in such a uh, plain and simple way that everybody can understand so let's get into it with sam kionis yeah 
without any further ado, let's let's kick it to Sam and, and figure out where fentanyl came from and where we're at right now with this. All right. Uh, Sam, welcome to the War on Drugs. How are you? Uh, pretty well, Greg. Thank you. Yeah, great to have you here. Well, it's good to be here. Yeah, going through your book, it, it was just absolutely fascinating. And one thing that really stuck out that you had said was there's not going to be any recreational drug use pretty soon. Um, Clayton, thoughts and prayers to you hey, on man. that. Um, I yeah. don't do it recreationally anyway. I have a purpose when I yeah. use drugs. <laughs> <laughs> to get high. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's in result. Yeah, so, so what did you mean by that? Well, I think it's we're already at the end of the era of recreational drug use, um, and fentanyl has put an end to that. We're almost at an end of heroin. We don't have really much heroin on the streets anymore in the United States. I think we're about a year or two away from seeing no heroin at all. And so everything that's out there can have fentanyl in. You can't trust anything really to not have fentanyl in it unless it's pills that you got from the pharmacist that they filled in front of you almost. And so now it's in everything. It's in cocaine. It's in um, the methamphetamine that's, that is also everywhere in the country. And it's uh, being put into counterfeit pills that look like Percocets or ba- Xanax bars or even the illegal pills, ecstasy and what have you. Mm-hmm. And all of this is really because the ease of which the Mexican drug trafficking world can make fentanyl and the enormous quantities it can make. All of that is why you've got so much of the stuff around and it's being added to everything. And what that has done, I think, is really put an end to risk-free recreational drug use in America. Now, every, every time you use dope, it's a, it's a game of Russian roulette. Wow. You said in a year, you don't think there'll be any heroin on the streets. I'd say we're about a year or two away from that. Every place I go... I see less and less heroin being seized. People call it heroin, by the way. They call whatever they're buying on the street. I found this in eastern Tennessee, for example. People still call it heroin. There's no heroin in it. Uh, It tests for fentanyl. It tests for meth. It tests for THC. It tests for all kinds of things. But but there's very little heroin in it. And this is all because of economics. The basic idea is that fentanyl is simply more efficient, more competitive, if you like, form of of getting people addicted to, to opioids and then keeping them strung out. It makes a lot of sense from a drug dealer's perspective, a drug trafficker's perspective. You don't have to grow poppies anymore. You just make it in a in a in a right. in a lab. Yeah, yeah. Let's. I'd love to kind of boil down on that. Is you kind of think about these things and. Is that the big difference in fentanyl? Obviously, we can get back to like kind of like what fentanyl is and what the potency is. But from a pure economic standpoint, you don't need a poppy field anymore. You don't need a marijuana field anymore. You know, you can just have a guy pretty much in a in a kiss the chef's schmock uh, in his in his bedroom just whipping this stuff up. Yes, all of this is supply driven. Virtually none of it is demand driven, in my opinion. It's all about what benefits traffickers. And traffickers are enormously benefited by switching from plant-based drugs to synthetic drugs made only in a lab with no plant involved. It's easier to make. It's cheaper to make. And all that you really need, you don't need land, you don't need sunlight, you don't need irrigation. All you need now is access to shipping ports. Shipping ports get you access 
to the entire world chemical market. And um, all of this means that they can produce quantities of these drugs that are simply staggering, simply unprecedented, the quantities of the drugs that we're seeing now coming out of Mexico because they don't have any more, se- there's no more seasons. You're not limited by what the when the plant can actually grow. Right. You what can you make it every week, every two weeks, you know. Yeah. The other thing that's interesting, I think, about all this is if you if you look at how corporate America, particularly of, of products that you would, you know, like that have some addictive capacity, stuff with sugar in it, fast food, all that kind of stuff, what they're mostly looking for is to reduce friction of use. It's all about supply again. It's like you want to get as much of this stuff out there as easily accessible to your uh, consumers as you possibly can. So you find fast food at every interstate off-ramp. You find battles over space in grocery stores for sodas and whatnot. It's, It's all this idea like I want to make it as easy for my consumers to buy and use this stuff as possible. Well, if you think about it, in a kind of a unarticulated way, that's really what the trafficking world out of Mexico has created with these synthetic drugs that can make year-round, no more seasons, all across America. Yeah, and similar to almost like a McDonald's and anyone else, where it's just like, keep drooling fatties at this like meat and sugar and fat. Literally the names of some of these pills are like drop dead, you're going to die. Like, you know, they're, they're these telling are, you these straight are, up, like, this is the good stuff. Yeah. Well, I think this is, plays into another idea that is very common, has been true for a long time. And that is that when you use an opioid, say heroin or whatever it happens to be, and someone overdoses on your dope, that is to the rest of the consumer population you're selling to, not a, a warning. That is an advertisement. That's like, go get that dope. That's really good. That's that's the right. stuff that you want to get. Right. And so branding it makes that even easier. Yeah, the right. overdose is like to them, that's like almost like a purity check, I guess. Kinda. Exactly. Like, Correct. They're like, oh, he overdosed. That means it was so much in there, <laughs> you know, like it can't be cut. So that's that's right. crazy. That's that's right. how it works in their brains. We got a couple bills to pay. But we'll be right back. Money, money, money. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jason Flom, CEO and founder of Lava for Good Podcasts, home to Bone Valley, Wrongful Conviction, The War on Drugs, and many other great podcasts. Today, we're asking you, our listeners, to take part in a survey. Your feedback is going to help inform how we make podcasts in the future. Your complete and candid answers will help us continue to bring you more insightful and inspiring stories about important topics that impact us all. So please go to lavaforgood.com slash survey and participate today. Thank you for your support. The War on Drugs podcast is sponsored by Stand Together. Stand Together is a philanthropic community that partners with America's boldest changemakers to tackle the root causes of our country's biggest problems. Weldon Angelos is one of those changemakers. At the age of 23, Weldon was arrested for a first-time offense for selling weed to a confidential informant. At the time, he was a budding musician, spending time with artists like Tupac, Snoop Dogg, Pink, and Nas. His entire life was ahead of him when he was sentenced to a mandatory 55 years in federal prison without the possibility of early release. After serving 13 years, a bipartisan effort led to him getting officially pardoned. 
Upon his release, he founded the Weldon Project, a nonprofit working to create a better outcome for those still in prison that funds social change and provides financial aid for all those who are still serving time for cannabis-related offenses. Weldon Angelos is one of many entrepreneurs partnering with Stand Together to drive solutions in education, healthcare, poverty, and criminal justice. To learn more about Stand Together, their partners, or how you can partner with Stand Together, go to standtogether.org. Yeah, let's get back to kind of like the history of fentanyl, because I think a lot of folks probably think like it's like the new designer drug on the street that just came out of nowhere. But Where did it come from? Yeah, that's, yeah, I, yeah. Like it's so many people in this like it's hitting the streets. But no, fentanyl has a long history. It's a magnificent drug in surgery. I've had fentanyl when I had a heart attack. It revolutionized surgery. We're able to do all kinds of surgery now that we're not able to do before fentanyl. Fentanyl was invented by Paul Janssen. Uh, my opinion, one of the great scientific minds of the 20th century. He invented many, many drugs. He's from Belgium, uh, owned the company Janssen Pharmaceutica, and, and he invented all kinds of drugs, and he was a really fertile scientific mind. In 1960, he invented fentanyl, which was uh, based on the fentanyl molecule, which is able to enter the bloodstream and enter the brain much more quickly than, say, the earlier morphine and so on. And it didn't last long. And that's what made it effective as a surgical tool. You went into anesthesia, and then very quickly you could come out of it once they stopped administering it to you. And so you, you didn't stay doped up for a long time as you would on morphine. And that became kind of how surgery was done. And so, but what makes it a fantastic drug in the surgical setting is what makes it a torment for users on the street and a huge benefit for dealers. And that is that it takes you in and out very quickly. So when you're addicted to fentanyl, you got to always be using, right? You got to, you use and then three or four hours later, you got to use again. You are never more than a few hours away from the dope sickness taking over with fentanyl. Right. And now what they're looking for is fentanyl. You can't be the only dealer in the area who does not add fentanyl to his meth or his cocaine or whatever, because very quickly word will spread and you will be out of customers. No one will come to you. I spoke with a dealer, a kind of a mid-level dealer out in eastern Tennessee, and she told me she would go every day to her wholesaler in Knoxville and buy dope and then come back to her area and sell it to a bunch of different folks. And at one point, the wholesaler was going to go uh, re-up and buy a whole bunch more. And she gave him fentanyl test strips. Now, these are strips you're supposed to, as a user, stick into whatever it is you're about to use to make sure, to see whether it has fentanyl or not. And the idea being that you would not use it if it had fentanyl in it. Right. But she gave him fentanyl test strips to test whatever it was he was going to buy to make sure, sure it had, that yeah. it had fentanyl in wow. it. That's, that's the whole point. You don't, we, you don't want to come back here with stuff that doesn't have fentanyl already mixed into it. She told him, we're not going to buy that. We've we got, we got no use for that. But that gives you an idea of what actually happens after the fentanyl market has matured. And I would say that in many, many parts of this country, perhaps all of them, but certainly many parts of the country now, you are seeing an increasing number of people just uh, addicted to fentanyl and demanding fentanyl now. Jeez. That's crazy. So there's no market for somebody with organic heroin. 
I was yeah. in a Nashville tent encampment about three, four months ago, and I was speaking with this guy, longtime heroin user, got then transitioned over to fentanyl. And a guy came through, he said, a week before I was there, and he said, um, you got this black tar heroin, and it looked to be legitimate, good quality black tar heroin, but the guy told him, what use do I have of heroin? I need fentanyl. I'm not. So Jeez, fentanyl is man. taking over the market, and, and they need it. heroin is almost worthless. Now, that's why it's very soon will be, I think, uh, if things continue as they are, will be non-existent on the streets of the United States. So fentanyl existed for decades and it was just kind of used in a medical setting. And what happened during that gap? When did this kind of like realization from drug cartels and things like that kind of spur over to the illicit narcotic trade? Yeah. Fentanyl for a lot of years just existed as an uh, anesthetic. You would occasionally see some, you know, underground chemist come up with a batch of it and you would see these little spurts and deaths in some area uh, orange county california had it. san francisco and san diego had them for a bit sacramento area had one for a while but we as a country uh, were never really faced with massive industrial quantities of fentanyl until 2005 and six and that's the time when the Sinaloa drug cartel first figured out that fentanyl existed. And this came from a uh, an underground chemist that they had hired, Mexican guy, but had grown up in San Diego, learned somehow, and I still don't know how, uh, to cook some version of fentanyl, was arrested for that, went to prison for many years, during which time he took lots of notes and met all the chemists in every prison he went to and got out of there much better able to make fentanyl and then was deported in about 2004 2005 he was approached by what he said later were members of the sinaloa drug cartel who wanted him to make not fentanyl but ephedrine ephedrine is the crucial ingredient in one method of making methamphetamine it's what's in Sudafed, right? Yes. It's, it's, gotcha. a, it's a natural chemical that's found in the Sudafed pills and all that kind of stuff. And they had been making really industrializing methamphetamine based on ephedrine. But there were signs now in 2005 and six that the Mexican government was going to get rid of or at least crack down on the importations. And so they wanted another source, somebody who they who could make this stuff and this guy said, yeah, I think I could make it. But in the back of his mind, it was a strange thing. The back of his mind, he says, yeah, I'm not going to make that. I mean, I know better. This was a guy who always thought he was kind of the smartest guy in the room. So they buy him all these very high quality chemical laboratory equipment and glassware and all the rest. And he sets out, but he really sets out to make fentanyl. When they discover this, these elements within the Sinaloa drug cartel get pretty mad at him. Not a good idea. Get the Sinaloa drug cartel mad at you. But he like sits him down. Decision, right. Yeah. He <laughs> sits him down and explains to him, look, I have made for you the most profitable, the most potent drug that you are ever going to encounter. And it's called fentanyl. And he explained fentanyl's benefits from a trafficking perspective to them. And the lights go on. This is the first time that we have record of the Sinaloa drug cartel or some elements within it understanding that there's actually a synthetic way of producing a substitute for heroin. No more poppies. You don't have to grow poppies anymore. 
bingo, we can make this stuff. And he begins to make it at that lab and they begin to ship it and test it. Literally, there's wiretaps of these guys saying, we tested it up in Chicago or we tested it up in in, uh, Detroit. And you know, it worked. These guys are like all excited, like, oh my God, they've got this devastatingly potent drug. And what ends up happening is people begin to die in large numbers. That's the first mass mortality moment that we see. Go Several thousand people over the next nine months. Uh, maybe, and when, when is that time period? That's the end of uh, fall of 2005 until April okay. of 2006, gotcha. which is when okay. he is uh, busted. But still, after he's busted, there's another 10 kilos that he has just sold into the market that kill people for another, must be three, four, mm-hmm. five months until it all tapers off. So you see about a year's worth of, of death, very, very pronounced death. And the areas where this takes place are very, very easily identified. Chicago's first. He's selling it to the gangs in South Chicago at the time. Uh, it goes to Detroit, down to St. Louis. It goes out to Philadelphia. You begin to see an enormous new burst of mortality out of nowhere. And then after he's busted, it tapers off and it goes back to, to normal. But in the back of their minds, they never forgot fentanyl. You know, yeah. they, they had this one guy who had clued him into it. He wasn't around long enough to really teach everybody right. how to do it. But they found other, there's lots of chemists in Mexico. There's lots of pro- professors at universities and various people that, that end up doing that. The knowledge base begins to to spread, particularly in the drug-producing regions of Western Mexico on the Pacific Coast. And you begin to see, that's when you begin to see the production levels that be, that allow fentanyl to reach beyond just Ohio, Kentucky, West Virginia, Indiana, Tennessee, Southern Virginia, et cetera, which is where the opioid, opioid epidemic really started and where the big market for fentanyl began. Because the quantities being produced are so staggering in Mexico. They have all these chemicals coming in and they're shipping it not in little manila envelopes. They're shipping it in truckloads. They're shipping it in enormous quantities. They have uh, enormous sophistication in getting it across the border. It's a, They share a, a, a 2,000-mile border and a free trade agreement with the United States. So none of these trucks are really being checked sufficiently. It would cripple right. our economy if they were. You know, and so you begin to see these quantities of, of fentanyl just flooding and covering everything and then being added to everything as well. Yeah. And you kind of think like, you know, we've all seen like the, the narco show or you're watching like blow or something like that. And you hear like these quantities of like cocaine. It seems like the same amount of quantity, but the intensity and the actual like pound for pound punch is much higher. hundred times, a thousand times, right. 10,000 yeah, times much, higher. Mu- yeah. yeah, exactly. You have, you have enormous quantities. But with fentanyl, one of the benefits of fentanyl, of the many benefits of fentanyl to a trafficker, is that you don't, you could smuggle a few kilos and it's massively p- profitable. You know, you don't need truckloads of, of fentanyl. I spoke with a kid who's in federal prison at the moment uh, for doing a number of years in prison, but he was out of Orange County and he said that he would buy quarter kilos or half pound of fentanyl from Chinese uh, manufacturers and then produce through the mail again and make tens of thousands of counterfeit Percocets. And he ended up spending per load of fentanyl that he would get, he would spend $5,000 for the fentanyl. And generally his profit was on the order of 2 million. Wow. You see the profit is just staggering. That's, that's, yeah, Yeah. that's, and that's, 
your, your your eyes light up with dollar signs when you hear that if you're a drug dealer. 5000 into $2 million. And that's what I say. I mean, it, felt, it feels to a lot of people, once they begin to figure fentanyl out, it feels like they could win the lottery with this stuff. Yeah. You know, it's like, like bingo. And then anyone can be a kingpin at that point. So that's exactly right. Everybody can be a kingpin. Uh, whether or not you're in your box, your boxer shorts in your mom's basement, you could yeah. still be this, this major mover. What would have been considered a kingpin-sized quantities 10, 15 years earlier, now like anybody can get a hold of it and anybody can be selling it. You see all kinds of people get into the drug business who really have no business being in the drug business. They're idiots they, mm. or they just don't know. And then when those folks get prosecuted, they face kingpin-sized prison terms too. Right, and then the cost as well. Margin of error is so much smaller. And something that you were discussing in the book as well is like how the magic bullet, that blender, that was for smoothies, that became like the way dealers would mix this thing up. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the prevalence of the magic bullet in like sure. the, the overdoses of fentanyl, like in that connection? It's amazing to sure. me. Sure. The problem with fentanyl from a dealer's perspective is it's very potent. So what the equivalent of a few grains of salt of fentanyl will get you high, a couple more will kill you. Mm. And so you can't just sell that small amount of fentanyl on the street. It's not logistically possible to sell a few grains of salt. So you have to mix it with some other powder that doesn't do anything. It's just a cheap powder. So that means that all those lottery-sized profits that fentanyl promises are dependent on your ability to actually mix it with something else at which you can actually sell it on the street. That's when the magic bullet takes over. The problem with the magic bullet is it's it's a awful machine with which to mix fentanyl because it only mixes liquids. Fentanyl mm. is in, usually in a powder, and if you try to mix, you can you cannot mix powder with a blade. But all these folks would kind of get into this thinking, "Oh, great! I'm make millions. I got. I'm going to go down to Target, buy me a twenty nine ninety five magic bullet blender," and because of that. There were so many of those clusters of overdoses that you see 40, 50, 60, 70 a weekend. And I would say with regard to the drug war, too, you know, the drug war, the reason it failed in, in, in a lot of ways is not because we use law enforcement. It's because we only use law enforcement. Right. And to me, that was the major failing of the drug war up to now. It's like we tried to deal with a problem rooted in the brain chemistry with one tool and the truth is we need a variety of things and in each community i think one of the most radical beautiful revolutionary ideas is you are now seeing people who are coming together and like sometimes that is very low-tech stuff yeah. it's being outside it's holding a barbecue it's holding a block party it's not yeah. high-tech stuff i'm talking about here it's what people have always done but in america we decided in the last 40 years it was not necessary and we could get away without it because it is difficult it is messy right but the truth is when we try to do that as we have in this country uh, we end up crippling ourselves and that's what we're seeing now well, Sam, this this is amazing. I, I highly recommend um, Sam's books. You know, uh, Dreamland, uh, New York Times bestseller, um, a fantastic pick it up. And then his newest book that we were just talking about today a lot, uh, The Least of Us, uh, True Tales of America and Hope in the Time of Fentanyl and Meth. Uh, Sam, thank you again for joining us. Love to love to talk about this more um, as we move forward. I think this could have gone, yeah, for a very long time. And um, just fascinated by the subject and, and where we're headed. So, yeah, appreciate it again. Thank you for your time. Thank you. My, my pleasure, fellas. Thanks very much for the interest in the book. Yeah, no. Clayton, yeah. Greg, good to talk with you. Thank you for breaking it down for us. Appreciate it. My, my pleasure. 
We'll be right back with the War on Drugs podcast. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists. Like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Looking for a fabulous fashion brand that celebrates you? Then look no further than Boston Proper, where styles are designed with you in mind. So you can look and feel amazing, no matter the day, season, or occasion. At BostonProper.com, you'll find fashion that knows you best. For over 30 years, Boston Proper has been the fashion destination for confident women who want to elevate their look with unique, sophisticated clothing at affordable prices. Visit bostonproper.com today. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. You've, you've, you've worked on some superhero shows and, you know, origin stories are important. Oh, uh, yeah. This yeah. is definitely a good villain origin story. Or it feels like Ozark, Breaking Bad. Yeah. Any of those shows where you got to figure your way out. Snowfall. Any of those shows. That's great. So we did a little digging, right? Did a little digging. What, what, what would we be if we couldn't find out some information? Yeah, so, so we really wanted to dive more into, like, this guy. Cardo Valdez Torres, right? Yeah. He was called like El Cerebro. El Cerebro. El Cerebro. Um, The brain. The brain, the cooker. This guy who essentially was given a task by the Sinaloa cartel, and he says in his own head, I think I can just do this better. I mean, those are always those people that they're like, all right, I'm going to outsmart them. But you got to see it all the way through. Like when he was probably like, yeah, I'm not making no fucking (laughs) ephedrine. I'm not doing that shit. You know how good a chemist I am? I'm about to make this fentanyl. They don't even know what this shit is. Watch this. Then I want to see that song and dance number. How did you pitch that to them? Yeah. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, did you have a PowerPoint presentation? You better have had some shit, man. One of these you, graphs. Hey, you yeah, better start good, singing yeah. like uh, Buddy was pitching that monorail to Springfield oh, yeah. on that old episode <laughs> yeah, of The yeah, Simpsons. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that motherfucker got a goddamn old-timey Broadway number about this shit because, hey, we said do this and you gave us this? And basically, that's what he did. He negotiated a focus group. He literally did. Yeah, he was like, "Hey, look at all our customers, and they yeah. they love this new this new idea." Put yeah. it in Chicago. Yeah, just try it in Chicago. It was probably like one of them Bill Gates or Steve Jobs presentations. Probably had on a black turtle turtleneck. Yeah, like you know, <laughs> what if I could get you twice as high for half as long? Would that be something you're interested in? What the fuck? <laughs> Present the deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> to the cartel. Like, these are not, okay, hey. Yeah, he held his nuts on that one. And he was, you know, kind of patient zero of this whole thing. This went on for a few years, and there was blowing up, and they were bringing in the chemicals. Like, they were using a street gang called the Mickey Cobras that was big in Chicago, at least at that time, and essentially using them as the middlemen to bring this through. They were mixing fentanyl with, with heroin and other things. They had all these names, like, reaper and penicillin and that's the thing like oh, yeah, they're not yeah, even like, like hiding it like this yeah. will kill you and that was yeah. like the attractiveness of it that's what sam was talking about yeah a lot yeah. of these people want fentanyl it's now. everywhere right now and just you hear too many people die you hear too many people overdose yeah you can't yeah. trust anything out there anything out there yeah. well i, I want to thank our guest sam for taking the time yes. to talk about this yes, and, definitely yeah. sam Kenyonis. that was awesome that was awesome so with that appreciate listening to war on drugs yes thank you Make sure you follow The War on Drugs podcast so you don't miss any new episodes or any of our quick fix bonus content. I don't know if it actually helps. Maybe if you follow it and unfollow it and then follow it again, if we get two. That don't count. I don't know. Maybe. You never know. (laughs) You cannot trick the algorithm. Uh, We'll see. (laughs) Just give it a shot. What's, What's the harm? But we'll be back next week with another episode of War on Drugs. Until then, thanks for listening. Executive producers for War on Drugs are Jason Flom and Kevin Wardis. Senior producer is Michael Epstein. Editing by Nick Massetti and Michael Epstein. Associate producer and mix and mastering by Nick Massetti. Additional production by Jeff Clyburn and Anna McEntee. All them people made it happen, man. Yeah. Shout Appreciate out all y'all. Them. Nick, Nick, they, they might got to give you a bigger check. You got about five things you do in there, buddy. Be sure to follow the show on all social media accounts. You know what they are. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Lava, like Molten Lava, for good. You can follow me on Twitter, at Greg Lod, and Clayton on Instagram, at Clayton English. The War on Drugs is a production of Lava for Good podcast in association with Signal Company Number 1. I'm your host, Greg Glaude. And I'm your host, Clayton English. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.
Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity, designed for women's unique retirement needs, with flexible withdrawals plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. Gainbridge is helping build a better financial future for women. Retirement income you can't outlive is the ultimate flex. Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information. So, should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. Yes, we could go all electric with a Toyota BZ4X, but then there are hybrids like Grand Highlander, or we could do something in between like a RAV4 plug-in hybrid. So, Toyota is electrified diversified? Yep, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, the closer we all get to Toyota's beyond zero vision for the future. Exactly. How much coffee have you had this morning? Oh, oh. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.